0: If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over to Luke chapter 10. Um, good news is we're only looking at five verses. Bad news is, you know, I can take a while on that sometimes. So, But if you come over there, this is to finish up what we were starting on last week. Um, I'm hoping for any of the folks that are with us here for the first time today that you will feel welcomed in our church. Have you ever gone to a gathering somewhere And um, you just have felt like an outsider. You know, you're there and you're kind of uncomfortable. It's not that people are mean or cruel. It's just like you don't exist. And you can't wait to leave. And we hope that's not your experience here at the chapel. Um, And so chapel regulars, I hope you'll make all the visitors feel very friendly. But if you've had that kind of sensation... It's the same kind of problem you find in the first century. You see, back in chapter 9, Jesus is sending out groups, the 70, prior to that the 12. And he says, look, sometimes you'll go into a village and they'll welcome you. They'll say, man, we're glad you're here. Come on in. Stay as long as you want. But there'll be other people that will either neglect you or oppose you. And so you're seeing that whole thing kind of go on. Well, in this chapter we get a view of two individuals up close. One guy is a lawyer. We found that about that guy last week, and he is somebody who doesn't welcome Christ. He thinks he can live life without Christ. He can find acceptance with God on his own. And clearly by the time Jesus gets done with him, the guy just realizes or hopefully he'll come to realize I'm a sinner who needs Christ, but when we come to verse thirty eight of Luke chapter ten, we find a woman who welcomes Christ. So soon as you read, now, as they were traveling along, they Jesus Christ. From Luke 9 on, wherever he finds himself, it's all about ultimately getting to Jerusalem, folks. Because it's in Jerusalem, Christ will die, be buried, resurrect, ascend, be at the right hand of God. And so they're traveling. He is on a mission, and here we have somebody. He enters a certain village, the Bible tells us, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. So I read verse 38 and I'm thinking this is a good woman. And it is. She is. You read in the scriptures her name surfaces here in John 11 and in John 12. And one of the things you find about her, she's a very practical woman. You remember when Lazarus dies? And they're ready to kind of move the rock away from the stone. She says, uh, Lord, he's been in there a couple days. His body stinketh. But She's a practical woman. You know, she just says it the way it is. And I appreciate that. I find also in John chapter 11, she is a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Because it's in that verse, it's in that chapter that she says, you are are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. And I believe in you. Now, this is a good woman. This is a follower of Jesus Christ, a committed follower of Christ, who trusts in Christ as Lord and Savior. Clearly, she's a good woman. So when you read Martha here welcomes, you should say follower of Christ, for Christ. Yep, all true, all true. Notice, though, what the text goes on to say. And she had a sister called Mary, who, moreover, was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet. Okay. Now ladies, for the ladies we do have in here today, I mean, I have to tell you this, guys women making meals to me sometimes can be a minor miracle. How not you found that like Thanksgiving time, the guy can be planted on the couch for the entire time. Having extended family over, 20, 25 people can be there. Man, she knows just when to get the bread out and put the turkey in. and I mean, she's doing all this kind of stuff. He's enjoying the game, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say it too loud. Uh, and, and she's able to kind of, I mean, it, it, it's a bit of a minor miracle sometimes. Well, think about it. Jesus comes. Probably his disciples are there too. Who knows if there's several others? And all of this, Martha is feeling the weight. What's that like? It's a lot of work. She's trying to balance all that stuff. And I don't know what kind of meal she had. You know, maybe you know, maybe it's pretty fancy, and she has to know when to pull back and open the oven and you know, all the stuff. It's a lot of stuff. And Mary. Is sitting down. When I was a kid, I do this to my children too. But when we were going to have company come, my parents, we, we had eight kids in our family. My, kid, my, my parents would often assign Doug, you, Ted, and Robin, make sure the living room and dining room were all cleaned up, or the, or the family room. It was kind of our assignment. The problem with those group things is one person normally took the responsibility on themselves. And the other people just kind of took it easy. That's why I don't like group projects sometimes in school. You know, here are six people working on a project, two of them work their tail end off, and the other four don't do much. You know how that stuff works, okay? Okay. Well, and 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 so can you feel what Martha might be feeling here in this text? Honestly, Martha's our kind of woman, isn't she? I mean, she gets things done. I mean, she's a doer, and the text says she is focused on this ministry and this preparation for who? For herself? No, this is for Jesus and his guys. No, no she's a good, I mean, we read this, and we, she's a hard worker, she's a doer, task-oriented, get, man, I, I look at this text, and I say, like, man, I, I, I like what she's doing, don't you? I, I actually feel very sympathetic to her. You should, you should read this text and say, wow. Because initially, I have to to be honest with you, when I read verse 39, I think to myself, I wonder if Mary was like one of my siblings and a little bit lazy. No, no, it's not the case. Okay, it's not the case as we're going to find. But I have to tell you, when I initially read the passage, I think like, that's what my brother did when we're trying to clean up the TV room. You know? Difference was my brother was watching TV and she was listening to the Lord. So there was a little bit of a difference there. Okay. Notice what happens in verse 40. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. She came up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Does that not seem reasonable to you on the surface? You know, she's getting rolls in and out and fish and whatever she's doing. She's doing all the stuff, all these guys sitting around, you've got to get them fed, and 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 there's Mary sitting. And she's brewing over it and brewing over it and doing more and getting hard and more and more and finally she's had it. I don't know about you, but I can see myself doing that very thing. Can you? Lord, do you see what's going on here? Don't you care? Almost the identical word that was used back when he was sleeping in the boat. Remember, the guys came to him and said, Don't you care? I mean, she she's frustrated with Jesus. It's not just Mary. Because Jesus is watching all this happen for goodness sakes. Jesus, don't you care? Lord, kind of interesting. Jesus, Lord, Master, let me tell you what you need to tell her. <laughs> right I mean yeah. but isn't that what you do when you're frustrated you know you just, she's, she's frustrated with Jesus and she's mad at mary so she instructs Jesus how to handle the situation Jesus tell her to get up and help me. did you ever wonder all the different ways Jesus could handle that one? He could have said, Mary, why don't you go help your sister? And after we're done eating, you can come back and sit at my feet. If Jesus would have asked me, that's what I would have suggested. (laughs) But Jesus wants to do something much deeper in Martha's life than that. And this is an opportunity that he doesn't want Martha to miss. So notice what he does say. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Ever have your parents say your name twice? If you're in trouble, that's not a good thing. If my mom or my dad ever said Douglas Paul Finkbeiner, yeah, it was just not it was not a good thing. So for emphasis, Jesus says Martha Martha. And one of the things we don't know. And it's going to be one of my many questions when I get to to heaven. Is I want to know the tone in which Jesus says what he says. And I don't think this was a stern rebuke, you know, where Jesus is angered. No. I think it's a very compassionate rebuke. But you know, folks, rebukes are not bad things, they're God's wonderful gifts to us, aren't they? To, to, to help us to realize, and what Martha didn't realize is, her life was moving a certain direction. and Jesus wanted her to realize, no, 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 no. you, you got to do this instead. Let me help you. Rebukes are not bad things. Sometimes in the scripture, that's a warning. That's hard. That's negative. Yeah, but they call us to change. It's good. It's a good thing. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only a few things are necessary, really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken from her. And then the story's over. That's it. No comment about the response of Martha or or Mary giving a high five. Nothing, nothing. What do we learn from this passage? I would argue two things. First, Jesus is telling Martha and Jesus is telling us that she needs to savor him centrally. Several weeks back, the Matthews had our family over for a meal. And we had uh, we had crab, which last time I had crab was about, I don't even know when. But I love crab. And Tim had some extra, some guy had given it to him. And they kindly, Linda, actually, Linda, I don't know, maybe Linda, but whatever. We were there. Tim and Linda had us. It was great. Had a great time at their place. I remember putting that... First bite of lobster into my mouth. And, man, I savored that thing. Man, was that good. And they know it because, like, I kept eating more and more of that, you know. And, and it, it was a wonderful, wonderful. So if you ever want to have the Finkbinders over for King Crab, just, just let us know. We'll, we'll be happy, happy to come. But you know what that's like when you eat something you love, isn't it? You put it in your mouth and you think, man, I want this moment to, like, last Forever. Tastes so good. Jesus is telling Martha, Martha, I mean, is Jesus against us doing things? No, we just had the Good Samaritan story. That Jesus does perfectly and he wants to help us begin to experience progressively in our life by his strength and for his glory. Yeah, that's all true. No, it's, we are to be ministries. And, and the term here that's used for Martha is she's ministering. That's all good. That's good stuff. But can you become so preoccupied with that? Kind of to Tim's point, what Tim was saying here a little bit earlier. That we lose the centrality of Jesus Christ. Don't think of your Christian life like a list. i got to do the Jesus thing. I'll check that off. Now i got to do the work thing. Then I'll check. Christian life doesn't work like a check sheet like that, does it? Rather, at the very core is Jesus. And he emanates out and controls everything else that I do. You see the difference? It's not do Jesus then. It's Jesus is central so it impacts everything. It's very, very different in the scriptures. And Jesus is telling Martha, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be surfing. You have to surf. We have to eat for goodness sakes. But it all has to emanate out of this savoring of Jesus, which is passionate to say, God, I just want to learn more about you. I just want to know you, experience you, walk with you, savor you. Do you see? It it always starts there. You say, okay, Doug, I'm supposed to savor Jesus. But what about life? Like, should we just all become a bunch of hermits? Go away on a retreat together and never come back? No, you got to live life, don't you? So on the one hand, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to savor me centrally in your life. That feeds out into everything else you do. Secondly, I want you to simplify your responsibilities wisely. So he calls her to savor him centrally And he calls her to simplify responsibilities wisely. Um, You know what I tell my kids? You tell them too. If you're going to do a job well, I mean, so if you're going to do a job, you better do it well. Sometimes Jesus might say if you're going to do a job, you need to do it simply. Now, I know when I get into things like this, i got to be careful, and there's all kinds of caveats and qualifiers so people don't mis- misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about shoddy living. But think of the young mother with three young children in the home and a father who's very, very busy working. He comes home. She has these ideas maybe she listens to something on focus on the family or some, something on the family and she hears some woman speak. And she has this idea that she's going to be able to homeschool her kids perfectly. She's going to have a hot piping seven course meal for her husband each day, a clean home, kids never sick. You, you know what I mean? Sometimes you can kind of like have these images in your mind. And very frankly, there's no time left for Jesus if you're going to do all that stuff. So sometimes you have to tell a mother like that, "Look, simplify. The house won't be as quite as clean as you want it. The meals won't be quite as elaborate." It's life sometimes, folks, because I have to be very, very careful that in doing, 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 I am no longer knowing the one that should be impacting everything else that I do. Do you understand what I'm saying? And please, you don't hear me saying like, you know, like, be crummy in everything you do. <laughs> I hope you don't hear that, okay? I mean, we're stewards of what God's given us, and we want to do the best we can in a wise way, but never to the exclusion of him. So the text says, Jesus calls them, Martha. Here's a telltale sign. If you find yourself. Frustrated with God. Because of everything he wants you to do. That you're not doing terribly well. And frustrated with others. Because they're not helping you. That may be a telltale sign. That you're out of balance. Because that's exactly. What happened to Martha. Isn't it? Now. Is the text telling us, Jesus says, you're worried about so many things. Is Jesus saying we should be happy-go-lucky and not be concerned about anything in life? Of course not. We have concerns, folks. It's part of life. But when a concern becomes a worry and preoccupies me in such a way that I become frustrated with God and with others, then I've slipped from concern to worry, and it's not a good thing. Do you see? So the text calls us in everything you do, keep Christ central. So, when you do what you do in life, and you all have to be a mother and a worker and a whatever else God calls you to do, right? You do those things out of that relationship with Christ, and you prayerfully ask Him for wisdom to know how much to simplify and how to actually balance all of that. And it's really hard. I don't know anybody that does it perfectly. I don't, that's for sure. But I know this if I lose Christ as the center, I'll give you all out of whack in these other areas. If I keep him central, I'll begin to learn some balance with those other things that he calls me to do. Does that make sense? So I want you to think about your own experience. Maybe you're a single parent. Maybe you're a parent of a young family. Maybe you're newly married. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're retired. Whatever your life experience, would you do me a favor? Would you ask yourself, What does it mean to keep Christ central in my life so that my relationship with him, learning from him, shapes all the decisions I make out here to live simply and wisely? Would you ask out of your own experience? Now, I'm asking this of Christians. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, forget balance. Just, you need him, plain and simple. But if you know him, would you ask him to work through his spirit, so you can balance that? And look, all this stuff can be manipulated. I mean, guys, you wouldn't do this, but I'm not asking you to go home today. When your wife says, "Hey, honey, I could use some help having extended devotions right now, babe," can't help you. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not the way to apply this text. Okay, but you need to find, by God's grace away so that he's central and you're learning of him. Does that include your devotional life, personal? Of course it does. They're precious times, folks. And if you're like me, it's easy to be too busy sometimes for that. Isn't it? It's not, is it just me? And like, I do this stuff for a living. And it's easy to do that so wherever you are we have to constantly on a daily basis come back and say what does it mean to keep christ central i was thinking about this when tim was speaking at the beginning i can waste a lot of time driving in a car Yeah, you know, i want to listen to music or i want to turn on and listen to the ball game sports whatever just and yet could it be that God allows me to get stuck in that traffic jam, because he's saying, "Doug, here's time for you and me to talk." I mean, c- c- could that perhaps be God's agenda? Oh, I think far more often than we're willing to admit. The thing that is a problem is actually an opportunity. And God is saying, "This is downtime, Doug, for you and me, right now for us to talk. Now, you can't read while you're driving, so don't do that one. But you can pray, for goodness sakes. You can listen to audio tapes, do all kinds of things. You want to get creative with it, but the bottom line is you want your life to centrally revolve around him where you're, if I, if I could say, sitting at his feet so you can learn from him. That's what's important. And then, to ask God, what does it mean to fulfill my responsibilities in a wise way. And I tell you, it's not easy. But if I don't have the first one, I'll never get the second. Martha has blessed us because Jesus has used her situation to talk to us. Because my guess is most of us are a bunch of Marthas where we get busy and we forget what's central. My uh, my father is in his 80s, and he was here last week. Some of you met him, and um, I love him deeply. He's one of my best friends. We are very, 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 very close. So I don't have a problem with this, but sometimes... You, you know, people do, and 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 it's this, can you imagine if the only time I contacted my dad is when he needed something, or I thought he needed something, I'll go up and fix something at his house, won't talk to him much, but I'll fix it, I'll send him a card at Christmas time, and I'll put in it um, a gift card to go out to eat, and I'll, you know, and all I ever did was just do things for him. How well, how satisfied do you think he's going to be with that? He wants to be with me. So I've developed with my dad just on an ongoing regular way where we just get together and we just eat together. Men like to do that. We just have lunch together and we just talk. Because we love each other. And... And my dad would tell me if I didn't ever do that, he'd say, Doug, I don't need your things. I want you. And Jesus would say the same thing to you. I don't need your things. I don't need you to do all these things. Now I want you to do that. You need to do that as my follower. Yes, 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 yes. What I want is you. Where you and I are together. Let me ask you. Do you give him those things? A man said years ago. I heard him preach this passage. And his title for the passage was. Um, Don't just do something. Sit there. He reversed. You know what we normally say. And I thought to myself. Yeah. That's it, isn't it? Christ is central, and responsibilities wisely are handled as stewardships for him, often in a very simple way. And we need him for the entire process because we're not, we forget this, and we don't know how to do this. So we need him for the entire process. Will you let him do that work in your life? Or if you are, stay at it for his glory. Because at the end of the day, he doesn't need your things. He wants you. Let's pray.